0: out there, we're on the air, it's Rink Moose Talk tonight, the beers are cold, the mics light up, and And the the boys boys get get set to fight, the gloves come off, opinions get thrown, and Someone someone slips on ice, one man howls, the other scowls, but the show must go on. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can
1: name,
0: and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. You're an announcer with a long stick from time to time With hockey flows And more shots and Pierre Maguire's life Not John's a leaf Ovechkin's teeth. And Hoffman's crazy wife When Carrie slumps And Benjamin stumps lap not LaFontaine Jokes aside It's podcast time And Rink Moose is the name Oh, good old hockey game the best
1: game you can Hello everybody and welcome to Rink Moose For those of you who don't know, the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast is a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends... What are you doing? Come on, settle down. I'm just going to keep on rolling It's a weekly episodic podcast where two good friends get together and talk all things hockey, NHL, and their implications in the fantasy realm. I'm one of your hosts, Nick Costume. along with this annoying piece of shit... (laughs) Kyle nice. How are you doing, Kyle?
0: Hello, hockey fans from Canada, United States, and Hong Kong. Mm. We just got our first viewers from is it our first viewers from Asia in general? Is it just uh just I believe China? so. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah. Like you gotta like I was telling Nick, you gotta think what are people possibly finding interesting about us over in Hong Kong? <laughs> it's crazy. No
1: fucking clue.
0: Oh, oh boy. But we'll wow. take
1: it. We'll we'll take their uh, viewership happily.
0: We will. We welcome you guys. Uh do you know any Chinese language, Nick?
1: Absolutely not. Do you? Mm-hmm. I know you do.
0: I think I know a couple words, but I forget them. <laughs> and I don't think they're appropriate. Okay. Fair <laughs> fair enough. Do you know any Russian, Nick? Shout out to the Russian viewers.
1: Uh I'm in the same mode as you. I've I know a few, but they would be inappropriate for this broadcast, mm-hmm. so we're just gonna keep it at that.
0: Okay, well, I guess we'll kick things off. Uh, we had some excellent goals, a dueling goal of the year debate between Rasmus Ristolainen and Matthew Duchesne. So the Risto one was, uh, was Buffalo versus San Jose. We got the big man, Risto, flying down the left wing, and he puts it through his legs, and then he just tucks it over and puts it top shelf on, uh, on Martin Jones. Uh, and then the Duchesne one was just a simple backhand right out of the air from the, from the right circle, Nick, like not even in close, like the guy batted it from the right circle. That's what was crazy to me. And it went like straight in the net. It was crazy. Um, personally, I like the Risto one better because, uh, you know, big man, lots of speed, soft hands, deft finish. And uh, the guy he was going up against was Burns. So it's not just like a random D, you know? the Duchesne one was good. I think it was just a, a showcase of athleticism and just hand-eye coordination. But, uh, yeah, I, I like the Rista one a bit better. What about you?
1: I think it's not even a uh, a debate, to be honest with you. I, uh, I I see the Duchesne one, and I just see a feeble attempt at swinging at the puck, and uh, <laughs> it on. happened to go in. It, it was just luck. If, if I give the guy 50 pucks from that spot to do that, he might not do it one of those 50 times. So to me, that's just luck. I mean, I'm not, I'm not too impressed. I like the athleticism of Risto. I like, I like skating down the ice. Burns goes for the poke check. He puts it through his own legs, beats Mm. Burns. He skates to the front of the net, which is a dangerous spot. Like someone's going to fuck you up big time. When you try Mm. to do that, like he doesn't just shoot like from the easy spot, like take a low percentage shot. He actually skates to the front and uh and and scores on carter hutton there where he's got two sharks on him and uh and don't even get me started on the celly that was just a perfect way to cap it off yeah but but here's my two questions and i have two questions for you oh boy um question one what is that celly like what is he actually doing can you can you answer that for me because i have no fucking clue
0: well i'll follow that with another question where's risto from again like what country is it, uh, it's not Sweden, is it?
1: I don't think so. I, I want to say, uh, maybe Finland. All I know yep. is finish, finish.
0: Okay, yeah, there you go. All I know is, uh, when Risto scores, which isn't too often, but when he does, he's always got something funny in store for us with the Sally, But I don't know what that is, honestly. Like, is that a pre planned thing, or did he just do whatever came to his mind? I'd like to believe Nick that uh, just whatever came over his mind in that moment is what he did, and that's what we saw, and that uh, that's kind of weird, but I love it. It's it's pretty funny.
1: Well, and that leads to my second question. To me, it's a zero-zero game. It's not even like the third period or overtime. To be honest, I kind of have a problem with that, Sully. I know it's a beautiful goal, but like, it's not like you just won the a playoff series yeah. or you just scored the <laughs> game winner, like. Your team's up one nothing. The game's far from over and you're celebrating like like it's fucking you just won the cup in House League, you know? You sound so, like Don
0: Cherry here.
1: Well, I'm just saying I, I wasn't a fan. In fact, if I'm fine Burns there and I see him doing that shit, I might smack him on the back of the head as he's doing it.
0: Well two things Like I, here. I,
1: I have a problem with that. I know I just got my ankles broken, but like it's still like there's no there's no place for that.
0: Two things here. <clears throat> first one uh, considering, I'll, I'm gonna give uh, Risto a pass on this one. Considering how many times the Buffalo Sabers have won in a row, so that's probably just him, you know, fired up as all hell for the team. Hey boys, we're we're on track to do it again. Second, who actually respects San Jose anymore? We know Nazem Kadri doesn't respect San Jose after what he did to Joe Thornton and Pete DeBoer's comments. Why should Risto respect them either? Did you did you see those comments that that he made? I hope. I, did. I hope when you're on, when you're 38 and you have reconstructed knees, that the young players treat you with the same respect. <laughs> so you. Well, that, that's
1: just you gotta you gotta back up your players. I mean, if oh, you want to sure, stay, but... you if you want to stay as the coach of your respective team, then you gotta you gotta fucking pop all your players as much as you possibly can. So yeah. I, I don't I don't mind that at all. I mean, put yourself in his shoes. You'd probably be doing the same thing.
0: Oh, I I don't mind what he said. It's just that I think maybe they made just a little bit too much of a big deal about it when, uh, you know, what did he do? Rip out the guy's beard back in well, the guys.
1: The guy's, a, the guy's a Hall of Famer. I oh, mean, he's, don't do yeah, that oh shit. he's
0: a legend. He's a legend. Well, there you go. But then if you go back to last game, not the the game last night, but uh, I think they were they were giving Kadri way too much attention. But last night, you know, everything kind of died down. So I think that storyline is now to bed. Hmm. Which is good, but... I just want to quickly touch on something, Nick, about your favorite guy, Mr. Pierre. Mm-hmm. Um, so honestly, I haven't been minding what he's been saying lately in terms of content, but there's still something that really stands out and, and really bugs me. And, and I know, you know, this is, this is totally true. Does Pierre Maguire get surprised by anything, Nick? Like the the biggest storylines in the NHL, he goes, well, I'm not surprised, <laughs> Buffalo's in first place. Pierre, are you surprised? Well, I said at the beginning of the year that they would be amazing. So I'm not surprised. Uh, Pierre, did you know LA would be in last place? Well, I said at the beginning of the year that they're too (laughs) slow for this league. So I'm not surprised. Skinner's leading the league in goals. Pierre, are you surprised? Jeff Skinner's a great player. I'm not that surprised. (laughs) Marner's point totals, Pierre. He's a future Hall of Famer, gentlemen. I'm not surprised. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) <laughs> He's not surprised by anything. He says that he calls all this shit at the beginning of the year and I want, uh, I want audio proof for, for most of those things. That just bugs me so much when there's a big storyline and Pierre just scoffs and goes, oh, well, if you looked at my analysis, then you would have seen this coming as well. Well, I don't know. I, at least half of those, I I, I can tell you. As someone
1: who listens to the guy every day, he was on pretty on point about Buffalo and LA. Uh, can't 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 really talk about his opinion on Marner. I, f- I feel like I feel like no one saw him being projected for a hundred points. Um, no, but I, I I digress. I don't know. I uh, he's surprised by certain things. I mean, a a good uh, example would be when Philly just hired their GM. That mm. genuinely shocked him because usually. Yeah. You know, you look at that team, and uh, hey, the way they're constructed, it's not so bad. I mean, in drafts, they've had excellent drafts, especially most recently when they had like, what was it, three picks in the first round or something, and and they all look mm. great. And uh, and you see the young players they've uh, they've they've developed. I mean, to me, that looked like more of a coaching problem and less of a managerial problem. So, I like Pierre was very surprised to see that. And then to make matters worse, the other day they actually fired their assistant coach and uh, someone else affiliated in a, in a managerial role. So that surprised him too because it, it, usually when you fire guys, you fire them all in one sweep. But here they are kind of slowly, slowly mm. ruining lives by firing this guy there, firing that guy there. So Pierre's actually has been pretty uh, genuinely shocked by by those moves. So that's just an example for you.
0: Yeah. That he is human after all, I guess he is. Yeah, and yeah, just to quickly touch on the the whole Philly situation, what a mess that was. I I remember I predicted last week that the coach would go, but uh, this is just very surprising. And uh based on what everyone's saying on every news outlet, they're surprised as well. Like if you look at Ron Hextall's moves over the last couple of years, it's it seems like he's done nothing but the right moves. I mean, uh, I was one of those guys who was very impressed with the roster preseason before we saw anything go down. Sure, they don't have a goaltender, but, uh, you know, one is in the works. It seems like he's constructed a fine roster, and he's done so with patience. And uh, I think Pierre went on the record to say that, you know, there's some difference of, of opinion between ownership and management, uh, potentially regarding Carter Hart and when he does come up. I think it's the wrong move if they're considering – calling Carter Hart up before he's ready. That's just, uh, that's crazy. He's 20 years old and he's not even putting up great numbers in the minors yet. But regarding that other guy in management that they fired, it's actually the the guy who's been in charge of their scouting and their drafting. So that guy, everyone has known to be a very, very successful and adept uh Scout for them, so I don't know what the hell is going on and what this difference of opinion that Pierre is talking about re- is regarding. But uh, it it looks like things might be starting to change quickly in Philly, especially after that awful Ottawa loss where they got they were up like three nothing or three one and they got caught and beat. Um But yeah, things are going to start changing in Philly sooner rather than later if what Pierre says is true. So. Um, look for a, ro- a lot of roster moves there, Nick.
1: Yeah, I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah, you're right. That that loss against Ottawa was pretty demoralizing. Oh, you're up 3-1 hurts. in the third, and things go to shit. Um, Especially was, how that yeah. Duchesne
0: goal went in, and you're thinking, like, really? That against us now? you got to be kidding me. Man, On home man. ice, too. So
1: those fans, they're not going home happy. And and those are some really passionate fans in Philadelphia, one of the great sports cities in North America. So I I feel for those fans, and it it must be tough having to to digest the fact that your team may very well be on its way to a a rebuild here when things were looking on the up and up. Yeah. So it's pretty dramatic if you ask me
0: yeah and speaking of roster moves uh there's a there was a big trade in the nhl i guess you you can call it a big trade i guess um and it was between chicago and arizona those two seem to be dance partners quite often actually uh so we have dylan strome brother of ryan and former third overall pick in 2015 dylan strome and brendan perlini to chicago for nick schmaltz who's a uh not a bad player but uh I just want to break this down. I'm going to say it. uh, I don't like this trade from the Arizona perspective. I I think they, they gave up on a guy a little too quickly. I mean, Dylan Strom, he was, he's ripped up junior with and without McDavid. He ripped up the AHL and I think he's going to find his way in the NHL. Uh, I think they just might need to give him a little bit more time. He's been quoted saying he doesn't have a lot of foot speed. So, and we know in the NHL, that's becoming more and more important, but, uh, You know, he just needs more time to adapt. And I I kid you not, I swear Patty Kane is going to turn this guy's career around real quick in in Chicago. If there's any guy that can do it in a hurry, I I think it's Kane. I think if those two find uh, any sort of chemistry, Arizona is looking pretty darn bad in this trade.
1: Yeah, and uh, you look at the lines right away. I mean, there's that other guy, Perlini. He's nothing to scoff at either. That guy was a first-round pick. So yeah. he's playing with Taves on the first line. And then you got uh, Stromi, the pizza man, the pizza on the man. second line.
0: That's right. So
1: the pizza man. Yeah. So, uh, eh. I mean, we'll see what happens here. I mean, uh, I haven't been watching their games since the trade. But uh, you figure anyone who plays with Paddy Kane has, shot, has, has got a fair shot at, at, at thriving to some extent. And, and I see he's on the second PP, so mm-hmm. it's not like he's he's just getting thrown out there for for regular minutes. So I mean, why not? You get you get two pieces for one. I know uh, I know Schmaltz. he he had, he had shown some 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 skill in, in his tenure, his short tenure in, in Chicago. But the reality is, like I just said, anyone who plays with Kane is going to get a fair shot of racking up points, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened with Schmaltz. So you assume the same will go for Strom. And, uh, and you get Perlini. So you get you get two first-round picks for the price of one. And to me, I mean, it's three guys who I feel like the, the peak hasn't really been achieved yet. You don't really know what they are just yet. So why not roll the dice, take the two pieces mm-hmm. for one, and run with them? So I, I, I got to applaud uh, Chicago on, on this one.
0: Yeah, and... We should mention Schmaltz had a pretty good year last year. He had 52 points in about 78 games. So, yeah, as a young player, that's very, very impressive. But he was playing with uh, with Kane, I think, for the most part of that. Um, I just uh, – I see Schmaltz's ceiling to be a lot lower than Strome. Like, if Strome even works out as a little bit as much as they thought, he could be, you know, 65 around there. So – if that works out, then that's great for Chicago. But yeah, definitely not a bad roll of the dice on this trade. I think uh that was definitely a solid move for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. To me, it just it looks like you're you're taking advantage of kind of stubborn management in Arizona. You know, I, I could see them sitting there watching these games with their arms crossed going, This guy's a piece of shit. We could have had Mitch Marner. <laughs> yeah. And uh and, and now you know we're we're pissed about it, so we're just gonna get rid of the guy. You know yeah. that's stupid thinking, if you ask me. That's just letting your emotions, you know, c- come in, come into the fray and and forcing you to make a bad deal. So, I that's where I predict the, this going. And and if I'm wrong, so be it. But uh, like I said, I I like this for Chicago. Pretty yeah, pretty pr- pretty uh,
0: pretty strong about that. Pretty sour over there in Arizona, and mm-hmm. I don't think uh, Galchenyuk has looked too good over there, has he? I've heard some definite complaints on the on the Arizona side. And uh, now you're looking at, at center depth of Derek Stepan, uh, Alex Galchenyuk, and now you've just gotten rid of Dylan Strom because uh, Schmaltz is a winger. So, you know, like, uh, I don't know if that's the, the best move if you're thinking of relying on uh, on Galchenyuk here, which I don't think is a smart move. I mean, he's not, uh, not proving to be a top-line center for sure. And we know De- Derek Stepan's ideally not a top line center so you know i guess you're waiting for barrett hayton but uh, yeah, this is this is nasty to me but oh well what are you gonna do right
1: Yeah, I don't know. To me, Arizona looks like a team that they were kind of a surprise at the start of the season, at least, you know, analytically, I saw they were in the after the first month, they were in the top two or three teams in goals against average. And and I was like, Oh, this has my attention. And then since then, I think you've kind of seen what you expected them to be. I mean, that hasn't held up. And you're seeing... You know, they, obviously the lack of scoring. The goaltending can't seemingly can't stay healthy. You got Ronta getting injured, then you got Kemper getting injured, then you get Ronta getting injured again. They're playing with some rookie right now, some schlub in goal. So yeah, yeah, I mean can't can't look too good for the foreseeable future, if you ask me.
0: Yeah, so us as the media, Nick, who are Toronto based, we have a responsibility to give an update on the Nylander situation as well as give our opinions. Uh, so I'll do that right now. I th- and this will be the last time, well, the last time we give like an update like this, because again, this, the deadline is Saturday for something to happen. So I'm going to give you a few quotes here, Nick, and then we're going to chat about it. These are pretty darn interesting quotes and it, it kind of pushes the needle on where we have been. So to start with Pierre Lebrun of TSN quote, Toronto has circled back to some teams suggesting they put their best foot forward on trade offers. Mike Babcock, quote, Kyle and I talk every day, so I'm up to date date on what's going on. We think Willie is going to be here for a long time. We think he's going to be a career leaf. That's what we think. Matthews, quote, we obviously want him here and hope he is here as soon as possible. But the clock is kind of ticking. But we really hope to have him here because he's a big part of the team. So those three things come together, and then we have Elliot Friedman stirring the pot a little bit more uh, on the game the other night. He says, even if he signs, and this is just Elliot Friedman's opinion, even if he signs, he doesn't think he'll be with the Leafs long term, regardless of what happens in the contract. He thinks a trade could still happen at the deadline or in the off season. So where are we at with this, Nick? I think a couple weeks ago we had kind of decided amongst ourselves that a trade was maybe the more likely route is that in my mind, I think it's becoming a little bit less likely that a trade services now, just because it it feels like so much like crunch time and it's either let's sign a, you know, a bridge or a deal that's in favor of the Leafs or in favor of Willie. So, uh, where, where are we at with this? And do you put any stock into what Friedman says when he says that, uh, you know, Nylander's not going to be here long term, regardless of what Mike Babcock said.
1: Well, to to me, I mean, you can read into those quotes all you want, but I, I, if there's one report that sticks out to me, it's that three hundred thousand dollar difference, right? Yeah. I mean, r- right now the parties can't agree on three hundred thousand dollars, and I, I think that's just uh, that's a that's that's malarkey in my mind. I mean, <laughs> let let's face it: if you're going to let three hundred thousand dollars dictate whether you're going to spend the next 3 to 5 years, maybe more of your career in Toronto or wherever the hell else, Carolina, Florida, I don't fucking know. Then I think you're making a big mistake. 3 like we're we're talking 300,000 compared to your 5 to 6 million dollar contract, maybe 7. I mean that that's a little ridiculous am
0: I am I wrong? I think you're correct Nick. And uh am I wrong in saying that William Nylander and I know he's doing the right thing because he's looking out for himself, which is not necessarily wrong. But am I right in saying that he's coming off a little bit stinky to you right now?
1: Of course. I mean to to me, just sign the deal. If if you think you're worth more, sign the bridge. I don't know, maybe something three year, five million. That that would be an ideal bridge deal. Sign the bridge. Prove that you're up to par with Marner and Matthews, which you've not proven at all to this point and, and then we can and then we can move on with negotiations so don't be sour about it when you have no bargaining chip at all
0: yeah this is uh and especially because you got you look the and everyone's throwing around the pasternak contract and we've gotten quotes from him saying things like oh yeah when i was like eight years old if if you told me i would be making that much uh you know i'd be over the moon So Pasternak saying all the right things here uh, just to just to make Nylander look like a total ass. And then uh, and then you've got Pasternak leading the league in goals like, come on, man. Although I will say Steve Dangle said something pretty darn interesting on Twitter. He said something like uh, the Pasternak's contract is way below a Pasternak contract. So what that basically means is Pasternak's making way less than he should so it's not really a good measurement stick because it's not really a valid contract based on his talent. So, I don't know, like, if it's over 300,000, at this point, I think Kyle Dubas is gonna budge first, Nick. I think, you know, he's gonna say, all right, you know, guys, I, I, I played my heart, my cards as well as I could. But uh, it's time to just get this thing going. And I know Mike Babcock wants Neelander in the, in the lineup as bad as anybody. And I think uh, Kyle's going to Kyle's gonna budge on this one. He's, he's going to cough up the extra. And maybe it, it'll come in around 7.4, something like that.
1: But see, then, then I ask, how the hell is that going to work? Because when you count in the 11 million annually from Taveras, and then you got Matthews, who's He's got to be asking north of 10, 10 at least. And then Marner, who looks at like a 100-point pace right now, he's going to be saying, hey, I'm not so different from Matthews. I should be right around that range either. You're not going to be able to afford all that. One of, one of the best analogies I heard was was Gord Miller. He compared it to a slice of pizza. Yeah. And he says, let's say uh, Dylan Strom delivered a pizza to our house tonight, right? <laughs> <laughs> and and it's you me and you me and andrew are there s- eating pizza yeah, yeah and yeah. uh and you know you're, you're feeling pretty hungry so uh you take four slices okay and oh, andrew he's feeling really hungry as oh, usual boy. and he takes seven slices asshole and, and and i'm sitting there left with one slice oh. there's only 12 slices we can't make more pizza the cap is like a pizza you can't just snap your fingers and add two more slices to this perfect circle. It's only twelve slices. That's the way Domino's gave it to us. Shout out to Domino's. So I mean, Sponsor. I'm sitting there with my one pizza, with my one slice, and that's it. So I'm shit out of luck. And that's kind of where Willie is now because of this Tavares deal and with the way Marner's been playing. That that's kind of the way I see it.
0: Kyle Dubas said when he signed Tavares that we can and we will make this work. I don't know if he predicted Mitch Marner putting up nearly historical assist numbers and having the impact that he's had. Now if you consider that and you know what? I'm I'm going to say it. I think Marner is the best player on this team offensively. And I know Matthews still exists, but I think Marner really he stirs the drink on the power play. All right? He he's he's gotten Tavares up to like a 50 goal pace. I think Marner's going to command way more than we all originally thought. So I'm going back to what Elliot said. Yeah, let's sign him long-term, sign Nylander long-term, play out the season, and then maybe he's gone. Maybe you trade him after that once he's under contract so another team doesn't have to go through the hell of, of negotiating. I think that's honestly the way it's going to go because let's be honest, you can't fit all these guys. It's just not possible. Kapanen is a good story to come in here and and make him even more expendable and for Christ's sakes this is the one of the deadliest teams in the league and we haven't even seen him all year in fact all he's been in is is a distraction so yeah I think he's gonna sign and then I think he's gonna be gone whether it's at the deadline or at the uh in the offseason I'm not really sure but I think that's the way it's gonna go.
1: Yeah, well, re- regardless, I mean, I'm i just glad all this talk will be over in, in about 48 hours because we're, we're recording this around Thursday evening. The deadline's 5 p.m. Saturday, so thank God this will be the last time we talk of this. And uh, come next week, we'll actually be able to talk about the terms of the deal, if there is a deal, or the terms of the trade, and go over that. But one thing I will add, just to you know, wrap this up, is my favorite quote was probably Babcock about last week when he was like, quote i mean willie i know willie good he's a good teammate good person he loves hockey he wants to play (laughs) hockey (laughs) (laughs) he literally says the word hockey in like one sentence i love it (laughs) yeah
0: he's just trying to do his best to help it along like (laughs) you know he's just trying to say we we uh we want you back there's still a spot here for you no hard feelings just get the hell over here (laughs) He's <laughs> skating with some Swedish junior team. He's probably regressed so much. He's probably a useless player now. Hey, imagine he comes in Nick and uh, and he's like not that good. <laughs> that would be so funny. I would love that if he comes in. He's a dud. He's like minus 2 in his first like game. It's like, "Oh my god, well, who is this guy?"
1: Well, I I mean, w- when you're not on the first power play, yeah. the uh the 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 peak is only so high so uh it'll be interesting to see where he slots in and and how he produces that's that's for sure
0: yeah yeah and i don't want to get into it but like yeah how do you pay a guy who's on your second power play all that money but whatever we'll we'll have to move on because uh we are gonna be getting some huge news on saturday regardless and we'll definitely dive into that next week as well but uh yeah, in terms of other news this week in the NHL, Nick, we had uh, some two very large returns from injury um, from Austin Matthews and Shea Weber. And uh, actually, later tonight, it's Jonathan Quick. So I'll, I'll let you say a quick word on Quick at the end of this little segment here. But I want to start off with uh, the Shea Weber return, and I want to tell you a quick story, which I think you're going to really enjoy. <laughs> Interesting. So, <clears throat> Obviously, Montreal is a uh, favorite team of mine, and uh, I've been really hyped up to see Shea Weber's return for a long time now because I always said, you know, we don't really know who the Montreal Canadiens truly are this season until we see this guy and, and what, is, uh, what his impact is on the blue line. So for the first time in maybe my entire life, I watched this game, Carolina versus Montreal on Tuesday, with an absolute defensive perspective in mind. And this is something I've never done. I've never really paid attention to, like, you know, coverages down low and where the defense is positioned, Nick. It, it, was, it was a really interesting thing to do because it literally gave me an entirely new perspective on the game. So uh, what I saw there <clears throat> was uh, Montreal played just so solid defensively. Like, I think they were nearly perfect in terms of coverage and all that. Now, now, given uh, it was Carolina, it wasn't the biggest, you know, offensive juggernaut out there, but uh, the return of Shea Weber was was apparent in the fact that, uh, you know, it, it almost encouraged the entire team to be more physical. I mean, we saw Shaw freaking laying hits left, right, and center. You just saw guys being a lot more confident with their, with their bodies, and it was obvious that some guys would just not want to come down his wing at all. And, uh, and yeah, he, he was just really smart positioning-wise. And I think he loaded up like six or seven bombs from the point, although only three, I think, hit the net. Uh, so there's a little bit of timing there. There's a little bit of finding lanes. But uh, yeah, it was it was really cool to watch, Nick, like just watching this game from a defense-first perspective. I mean, it was a 2-1 game low scoring and I was just so entertained. I was like, wow, this is this is a fun way to do things.
1: Well, what stuck out for me were just the statistics. I mean, I know you said Carolina is not an offensive juggernaut, but but the reality is if you just look at shots per game, you know, how many shots you generate in a game, they're at the top of the NHL in that field. And when you look at suppression of shots defensively, they're at the top of that field as well, and and, and what stuck out to me—I didn't watch this game; I just saw some highlights. But when I when I looked at the box score afterwards, Montreal—you like almost doubled them in shots. You—they they were somewhere in the twenties, and you were somewhere in the in the—I think maybe they hit fifty. And and the fact you kind of reversed that role—you know—you you were able to suppress the highest shooting team in the league to something very low, and you were able to generate a very high shot volume against the best shot suppression team in the league. The fact you were able to kind of do a reversal of roles there, that surprised me. So if anything, I, I'm with you just reading from the box score. It, it, it definitely must must have rejuvenated the team. I know they didn't get the result they wanted, but let's face it. They ran into a hot goaltender. I saw the last five minutes of that game. They did everything they needed to to tie that game up. Just for some reason, they could they couldn't get it in. So I'll be definitely watching that game against San Jose very closely Saturday. On hockey yeah. night in Canada. It's going to be very interesting because you're going to have a, a very mad San Jose team who's lost their first two games on this road trip Buffalo, then Toronto, and, and a Montreal team who's who's what? It's something like five or six in a row now they've five, lost. Five, so I think, yeah. It, it should be a very, very enticing matchup.
0: Curtis McElhaney that night, that's the best goaltending performance I've seen this year. Like, Montreal was absolutely electric trying to tie this game up for the entire period. Like they played a great game overall in terms of just generating scoring chances. I, I know Drew had a wraparound where it was fully going in. And I think uh, Trevor Van Reems like just happened to have his stick in the way and it, and it didn't go in. It was like everything was going McElhaney's way that night. And it was, it was a really impressive performance from him, but Montreal was just absolutely buzzing that night. And it was even though it was a loss, like I said, I was so fired up watching it because they just—they did everything perfectly to generate scoring chances. It just wasn't going in. But uh, yeah, now they got some time off, regroup, and uh, it feels good. It feels different for Montreal. It, I know it was a loss, but it, it feel—it felt a lot more positive, even though it's five in a row. So I think things could turn around for them real quick. Uh, but let's get into the Matthews thing—the big news. Did you watch the game last night, Nick? I did not. Matthews was exactly Matthews. Like, it, it looks like he hasn't lost a step at all. He had that classic laser wrist shot off the power play. Uh, he also set up Tavares for a good one on the power play, too. Again, like, yeah, he, he was getting a lot of his work done on that uh, power play. I think he said that he had trouble finding his legs sometimes. But honest to God, he looked just as good as ever. Uh, but the the main player the game for me goes to the equipment manager who had the assist on the marner uh the marner setup did you see that one
1: I did see that in the highlights that that was really something and especially to see Marner actually acknowledge him and point to him right after he made that play <laughs> that was uh that was something really special you you certainly don't see that every day
0: yeah I mean I it all happened so fast. I have no idea how he like found the right stick and then got it to the front of the thing right on time. And then the the camera goes back to the guy and he's just sitting there like stone face, like (laughs) doesn't even care. (laughs) It was, it was funny, but, uh, but I, I gotta be honest, Nick, I'm a little bit frustrated with, with Toronto here. And, uh, yeah, they're not my favorite team, but they're definitely one of my teams. But, uh, it's just the media and the fans in general there it's kind of getting to me like to me personally it doesn't feel like a team that i want to do well right now i don't know why but uh just so over the top in the media like the fact that matthews had a contact practice was bigger news on tsn than weber returning to a game after one year like that's a little bit ridiculous that's hockey starts off and the main storyline, Matthews has contact practice, might play, versus Weber <laughs> returns after one year, will play. Like, come on, guys. Like, this is just getting ridiculous. And then you're on social media and people are going, oh, Marner's a Hall of Famer. Matthews is a Hall of Famer. Nylander's going to score 100 points when he gets back. It's just so frustrating. This This fan base, I know they've been in the dumpster for so long, but... Man, it's, it's an ugly side of the fan base when they all just come out and start saying, oh yeah, we're the best, we're the best. But uh, what, I, what I don't like about this, and, and not, I can put all that aside because you know they have had so many struggles for so long, is uh, that when these Leafs go into the playoffs, there's no more underdog status. Cut that. It's gone. I don't care who you're facing. You are now the team to beat in the East when you enter these playoffs. I think everyone's going to be gunning for Toronto because, again, they're like, you know, everyone's talking about them, run-and-gun offense, all this, big Tavera signing. You're now the most hated, most gunned-for team in the East when when it comes playoff time. And I'll be honest, as a Toronto fan, I don't like that narrative for this team because we haven't had success in the playoffs yet, and I think the underdog mentality would would be good for us and whether they adopt it or not. But I'm just saying people are going to be more than motivated to try and beat this team when it comes playoff time.
1: Yeah, I mean, naturally, when you look at it, I, I don't think it's as lovable a storyline as the Sens from two years ago no. or the Hamburglar year no. or the Oilers when they made the playoffs a couple of years ago. They had the great series against San Jose. I mean, it's not going to be one of those because you've put yourself in a scenario where you are expected to be the best. You, you're you paying this coach millions of dollars to to coach you to a cup. You signed the best fee, F.A. and in, in John Tavares. You got these young emerging stars. You're 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 certainly right. I mean, the underdog status is not there. And you just kind of got to accept the fact that, you know, you got a very good team, but you know you're also you're making some enemies by making all these acquisitions and, and and everyone's expecting you to play well so i i agree with you it's not the most lovable way to win but as a leafs fan from you know from from day one of my life i mean i'll still take a take a winning team regardless just because you know we've been in a dump for so long here so yeah i'd, I'd like it another way but You know, it it is still a quality team, and it's still a team I think can go all the way. So we'll see. One thing I will say though about last night was, I was uh, pleased in Matthew's game. I mean, you see the shots. You you see like on the second goal, you see a shot over Aaron Dell. You see the the first goal where him and Marner are working with Tavares and just setting him up beautifully, making Mm -hmm. the Sharks' top PP look look foolish yeah and uh just it was the complete package he was skating very well he was forcing turnovers he was doing it all and uh it it was just a very strong sight and and on a very impressive san jose team too i was actually very surprised just the number of scoring chances they were giving up because that's that's not the kind of team i know them to be and and i've actually been pretty disappointing disappointed with them so far this season so I don't know what I'm more surprised by the, the, the lack of skill on San Jose or, or at the, the return of Matthews and, and how just, you know, naturally he slotted into that lineup last night. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of left thinking on a lot of fronts last night.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, I, I did not like what, uh, what I saw from San Jose at all. And, and I'll be more specific. Even I'll say, uh, I'll say, I didn't like Eric Carlson last night, Nick. I, I don't think he was, uh, he was doing a whole lot. And I, I, uh, I'll be honest. I didn't watch the entire game. I think I didn't watch the third because it looked like we we're going to we we're going to win the game. But uh, yeah, it, it didn't look like a, a dominant elite defenseman back there. It, I don't know. Maybe this is uh, this might continue all year. Do you think that's possible or do you think Eric Carlson's going to rebound and the team is going to rebound or, or are we kind of questioning right now?
1: Well, I, I think the team is most certainly going to rebound. I just have too much faith in that team that coaching staff for for them not to rebound. In terms of Carlson, I, I agree. He does. He hasn't looked the same since game one, and I don't know if this is a physical thing. I don't know if this is him still getting adjusted to the team around him, the, the new city, the new surroundings. I don't know. It could, could be many things, but not only him, but I want to talk about Brett Burns. I mean, I, I, watching those highlights, I think he was on the ice for every single goal last night. Oh, wow. and I—I uh, I told you from the start of the season, Brett Burns is a five-six defenseman. Like in terms of just defensive, defensive hockey. Come on, he is—he—he he is like a five-six defenseman. He Three, is like four. David Schlemko. Yep. No, 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 no. He's like David Schlemko. He's like Come a five-six defenseman. The That's only a reason extreme. he is Norris Trophy candidate was because he put up the numbers he put up, and he's a forward who happens to be playing defense, and he's got a rocket of a shot, and 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 he's got a great personality. That's about it. So uh
0: he's your favorite yeah. player.
1: Oh, yeah, because of his personality. <laughs> but I'm telling you is defensively, and I've seen him play so much. He's not good. Like, he's just not a good defensive hockey player. I'm sorry.
0: I got a hot take for you. <clears throat> this is the third <laughs> old oldest team in the league. Uh, I don't think they're very good, Nick. Okay. I don't think this team has what it takes to make it to the second round. And we'll, well see. Hey.
1: When you when you look at Patrick Marlowe and and why he decided to leave there, smart guy. I, I think he he might be saying the the very same thing uh, that that you're saying right now. I I see this team aging, and I want to go to the because they've got a better shot at winning. And honestly, I I can't blame him.
0: Hmm. Anyways, I mean Joe we?
1: Thornton doesn't even look very good. He he looks like he's just trying to stay stay alive. You know.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, how can you really skate at at that age with those knees? I don't I don't really blame like I can't really look at him and say I'm I'm surprised, you know. And that's always been his game is kind of slow, steady and and make precision plays. But uh yeah, it looks like if they're going to get any effectiveness out of him, it might be on the power play where he doesn't have to move around a lot. Uh but yeah, fuck. I don't know. This I I I wasn't they're they're definitely a lot lower than I thought they would be, and, and I don't think this they're gonna get uh, much better here. I think Carlson's let them down a little bit, and uh, well, then again, you you do have Timo Meyer coming back. He, he's out, right? Yeah, he no,
1: he's not injured. He's healthy. Oh, he's shit. healthy right now. Well, he's cool. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised to actually hear what you're saying cuz if I'm not mistaken, you you predicted them to come first last first, week yeah. in the in the Pacific Division, so yeah, I don't know if that's more so time. just how weak the division is or if if whether you're actually
0: impressed with this team. Well, but, I don't know. It's just it's just the 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 division's weak and yeah, I don't know. It if there's so many questions with this team, but I just I don't have any faith in them, just due to their age and their. I don't know. There's what I saw last night wasn't all that great, and their goaltending. Like what ha, what has happened to Martin Jones here? And Aaron Dell didn't do any, do himself any favors either. So yeah,
1: well, I don't, no. he he didn't really have any chances to to, no, to make any saves last night, and in fact, if you look at I've watched you know a lot of their games, their 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 defense is letting their goalies out for to dry. Like I said last year, this was a top. Penalty killing team. This was a top scoring chances against team, and that all that defensive identity that I saw in this team has kind of gone downhill. You look at mm. the the analytics, and and they're not nearly where they where they should be. And you watch the goals, and it, this isn't on Martin Jones or Aaron Dell These this is just defenses defensive lapses. There were plays last night where there was a Leafs player right in front of the net. Just look at that t- Taveras on that first power play goal. Yeah. I mean, it, it was abysmal. Yeah. So. I uh, to me, they got to fix some things up. And, and to me, and this is a good analogy, they kind of remind me of like the Tampa Bay Lightning from last year. They're, they're kind of like right now, oh, we're hot shit. We got all these players. And we're just kind of going to outscore teams. That's how we're going to play. You know, we're not going to hunker down defensively. <clears throat> but then like halfway through the year, come January, they get their act together. They wake up and they start playing, you know, full you know, offensive and defensive hockey. So that that's where I see the season trending mm. for uh, for the San Jose Sharks.
0: Did you see that uh, when they tried to ask Carlson about his return to Ottawa, he just walked right out, <laughs> didn't say oh, anything, really? just walked away. Wow, must be uh must be some emotions going on there. But yeah, we'll see. That's going to be a, a real one to watch for sure. Is that tomorrow? Is that Friday?
1: That that'll be the Sunday afternoon matinee in Ottawa
0: okay so, gotcha
1: I, yeah i had thoughts about going to that game but uh oh be unfortunately one, huh? unfortunately exams you know
0: yeah oh well we'll we'll move on to our next segment here the doghouse nick the this doghouse. one is a good one for me because i don't like this guy <laughs> so we got our main player that's in the doghouse is ilia kovalchuk With the introduction of Willie Desjardins, we've seen Kovalchuk's ice time plummet to around six minutes, Mm. which is just sad. I mean, he was doing okay, I thought, from an outsider's perspective, on uh, on the LA Kings there. You know, he's got the weapon of a shot, but it looks like this coach just doesn't have a place for him. I mean, uh, be it what you will, small sample size or whatever, but it's looking like... How long can Kovalchuk, knowing his personality and and who he thinks he is, how long is he gonna take this? Something's coming to a head here, is it not? Well, you know, it's funny because I'd, I'd like to think things are and and I like I
1: like I like drama Kyle, you know that. Oh, I love yeah. when things go to shit. <laughs> it, it's fun. <laughs> and I love hearing what guys have to say. but but unfortunately, I'm reading the reports out of LA and uh, both guys are saying the right thing. I mean, Desjardins he's kind of just saying oh well he, he's a good player but like you know we've had these younger guys come in uh Matt Luff he's mm. he's been, actually been great since he since he got the call up from Ontario um you know we've got these young guys in they're just playing harder they're skating faster i kind of like what i'm seeing from the first the second and the third line and we kind of don't have a place for him at the moment so that's what that's what Desjardins saying it's not like he's ripping apart the guy saying i need to see more from him no 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 but then, when you when you look at Kovalchuk, he's saying all the right things too. He's just saying, you know what? We've been winning of late. They've won two in a row on this uh, on this Western road trip of theirs, um, and uh, he, yeah, I think three in a row total. And uh, he he's kind of just saying, yeah, well, the team's winning. So if I score zero goals the rest of the season and we go on to win a lot of games and make the playoffs, then so be it. So. It's kind of awkward because no wow. guy's really mouthing off and and making a statement. They're kind of just you know, sticking with the trend here and, and being pretty tight-lipped about it. So I'm kind of surprised both guys have handled how they've handled it. Mm-hmm. But in, in terms of his decision to actually be benching him, I, I agree. I mean, the reality wow. is he's slow. To me, I, I wish I could have scouted him more in the KHL before this. I just looked at the numbers. I saw the shots. I saw the points. I was like, well... You know, his numbers can't regress too much. It's not like the KHL is like the OHL. It, this is presumably the second hardest league in in, in the world. And, and, and yet he, he looks god-awful. I mean, he's not skating. He's got the shot. But, I mean, how often are you going to be in a position to actually snipe when A, you're not skating, and B, you're not being trusted on the top power play unit? He's not even on the wow. top power play unit, Kyle. He's on the second PP on the fourth line that is a seven, message seven, sent. Seven, seven to ten minutes a night it's ridiculous wow and uh yeah i mean it's it's pretty sad
0: what are they paying him right now like isn't it like six million yeah it's quite a bit five five to six million over three years i think Ilya kovalchuk is the next jan kolvar he is gone But I'll tell you what, it looked good originally because he was like a point-per-game
1: player through like the first 14 games. He had like 14 and 14, and now he just hasn't had a point in like 10. And and the most disturbing thing was LA, on the broadcast, they put their leading scores. It's like, here are the leading scores for the LA Kings. I kid you not, and this was like the other night, it was like Kovalchuk, leading scorer at 15 points, Kopitar, 14, Dowdy, 14. It was just pathetic. Wow. 15, four, 15, 14, and fourteen are your are your three best scores. Is that and right? We're like yeah, that little. Wow.
0: Jesus Christ. And Marner's got thirty two assists. <laughs> I know. Jesus Christ. Oh my God. That's that's bad. This team. But they're winning what? of late. Are I, you still I, watching I know, these games? I don't. I don't take back what I said last week. But they're winning, Kyle. Wow. Well, come on. That's not going to continue, Nick. We'll see. You don't want them to win. Just take the loss here. You got to take this draft. No, I
1: I know I'm still watching their games. I'm still staying up watching their games, but Wow, uh, that's that's crazy. I mean, no, they they they've won a couple here. They won 3 of 4, I think, and and they, there's some confidence there. And hmm. and Villardi Villardi should be coming back very soon. I, he he was just sent down to the Ontario Reign, yep. the the AHL affiliate, so he's going to be playing three games there. And then apparently it's going to be decided after that whether or not he's going to be going to the World Junior Camp or, or joining the Kings. So I th- I think, in fact, I think that's something to read into. I think if he goes to the World Junior Camp, that's kind of management saying, hey, we're, we're tanking here. Yeah. We want Jack Hughes. Whereas if he ends up going to the Kings, then I think that's more like, oh, hmm. we have belief here. Wow. And, and, and I think it's going to be, I think after this weekend. That, that's you'll, you're going to know where the Kings are trending because they're playing Edmonton tonight, they're playing Calgary tomorrow. Those are big divisional games. If you win both those games and you sweep the Canadian Western road trip, then you're right back in it. And then you can slot Velarde in and, and, and you're back to, you know, as if it's game one of the season. Wow. But if, if if things don't go so well and, and, and you want to send Velarde to the Team Canada camp, then I think that might be a good indication that uh, the season's
0: over in, uh, in South, South uh, California. Mm. Well, I hope they send Velarde back, because I'd I like to see him on Canada. But I hope so, too. We'll see. Uh, so another honorable mention, Doghouse members. So these guys are definitely lo- lower names, but uh, we should mention them anyways. Uh, Scott Darling just got placed on waivers. Uh, I'm not sure if if he's going to get picked up, but I could I could see it. Uh, Cal Pickard from Philly, he's been placed on waivers, and I think he actually may have gotten claimed, but I'm not 100% sure. And Carl Alsner was placed on waivers, and he made it through, and he's playing in the AHL currently with Laval. And uh, Carl Alsner, what a story, man. Like, the poor guy, he's gotten nothing but hate from this Montreal crowd and, and media and all that, saying, oh, Carl Alsner is the epitome of the last uh, decade's NHL, he's too slow. He's not meant for this game. He's such a nice guy, Nick. And I feel bad because that's he's like everyone's punching bag in Montreal. And whenever whenever someone says, oh, Bergevin made a bad move, everyone always brings up Alsner. But all this guy's done is, uh, is play his game. I mean, the poor guy. He didn't do anything wrong here. And from what I've heard, he's gone down to the AHL, and he's accepted his assignment with, with pride, and he says, listen, I just want to play the game of hockey. And I think he had a goal last night and he was the first star. So uh, good for him. But uh, whether he makes it back up or or he's traded, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I break down these three and I go, okay, Pickard, decent goalie, decent track record. Maybe the fact he was getting lit up was more of an indication of of Philly and their defense than the actual player. Uh, Clearly, you know, led... uh, Marlies, to, to a Calder Cup last year as a, as a backup. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could see him getting claimed. He's cheap. Mm-hmm. Darling, on the other end, he's kind of like, if, if there's a next Jake Allen, like Jake Allen's the bottom of the pit of NHL goalies, but if there's like <laughs> a second bottom of the pit, it's Scott Darling. Like in terms of just yeah. a goalie who visibly looks like he doesn't belong there, like a guy who looks like he should be in beer league, that's Scott Darling. Wow. And uh, so, so and he's getting paid a hell of a lot of money, I think, million every year right. uh, was signed was signed to be the starter there clearly mm. that was a wrong move by Ronnie Francis when he was the GM back then yeah so uh I can't see him getting claimed I guess he's just gonna be in the AHL moving forward now and uh as far as uh who's the yeah alsner goes Alzner, yeah. um this is just a guy who uh it, it's kind of shitty because it looks like that darling deal where you sign a guy to a lot of money this was their big acquisition I last Summer, but the summer before that. But this was Bergevin's big acquisition, trying to get some some defensive defensive gritty guy there to join Weber. Yeah. And uh, the foot speed, it just hasn't been there. He hasn't been able to keep up with uh, with the NHL, with today's NHL, and it's kind of you know worked not worked out really well for him. So hopefully he gets it together. But to me, Carl Alzner is what Carl Alzner is, and and if I'm Montreal, I think you may have to trade him for a team that maybe values that more you know maybe a team that would value a guy you know heavier guy who can play defensive minutes a team that actually values that more than the canadians right now because you know think of colorado and Ian cole you know ian cole he's not the fastest skater but he slots in really well there because you got your fast guys like gerard and barry right yeah. So if you can find another, if you can find another dancing partner who kind of has a similar situation, where they got a lot of young puck-moving defensemen, and you need a bit of a bit of grit, you know, he- heavy hockey on the back end, maybe you take Alsner.
0: Yeah, and I think even if Montreal eats a good portion of that salary, they they would they might still do that because they, everybody wins, right? They're, he's not playing on their roster, and if someone else can get good use out of him for a, a better deal than what his contract is, I think Montreal would be willing to eat a little bit of that money. So. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if he moves. I just don't know exactly where he'd go. Um, but on to the next and last segment here, Nick, uh, the Cole Harbor Classic. So the other night we had a Pittsburgh Colorado game, which was just absolutely electric electric from the beginning. It was uh, it was intense and actually had a it had a playoff feel. Now with the big storyline here was the old. McKinnon versus Crosby thing with the Nova Scotia connection, and uh, we saw Colorado get up to a quick three goal lead, and then we had uh, Crosby getting goals number one, two, three on the night to tie it up. It was just a valiant, valiant effort, um, and then of course we saw Colorado just take over the game from there. And uh, man, like they just they just keep going. This line, this this top line, I don't think it can be stopped by anybody. And it, it's so... I'll, I'll, I'll make a hot take here, Nick. This is, this is what I gathered. This is the thought that was running through my head when I watched this game. In the Western Conference, the Colorado Avalanche may not be the best team in, in, in the West, but they will be the most feared playoff matchup because of what this line can do and, uh, and just coaches struggling to come up with a way to stop them. I think nobody wants to play this team in the West. Well, I'll tell you one thing, and I thought this was pretty funny. I didn't watch the game. I saw the highlights. I
1: saw the whole competition between the two Cole Harbour boys, which was which was fun to watch. But on the radio this morning, Pierre said, "quote This would be an awesome Stanley Cup final."
0: Oh, yeah. And and
1: I just laughed because a month ago, when he was out there doing Colorado and Tampa, he said, "quote." this would be an awesome Stanley Cup final. So it's like every time he's out in Colorado, he's getting so impressed by this team, they knock yeah. his socks off, and he's like, oh, well, whoever they played, that's just the Stanley Cup final. So uh, so yeah, it was kind of funny to read that. I, I can't see Pittsburgh being in the final, but I, I certainly liked his prediction of Tampa-Colorado. I think that would be great. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean... Colorado, I mean, they they looked great as always. That that first line keeps keeps doing what they're doing, and uh, Pittsburgh. I know they got their act together of late. Um, you know, s- since they they kind of had that wake up call from the comments from the GM. But yeah. tough way to lose. Very tough way to lose. But. I know they won the game in Winnipeg the night before, so that's kind of the saving grace here. You had a tough back-to-back. That's a lot of travel from Winnipeg down to Colorado. You got one of the two
0: against arguably the two best teams in the league, and uh, I think you take it. Yeah, I don't think Pittsburgh's too down on themselves for this loss. I know the scoreboard said 6-3, but in reality it felt more like a 4-3 game because Colorado did get that 4-3 goal, and then it was an empty netter, and then it was just kind of like a, a... Kind of a crap six three goal, which they did score on the goalie, but yeah, Tristan Jari out there, so the goaltending's it's up in up in the air. But I didn't see much to worry about from Pittsburgh's perspective. I I just see just Colorado just keep on rolling, and I want to throw one more wrench into the discussion here, Nick, because when you look at this roster with a little bit of term on it, um, we look at this roster and we ask ourselves, you know. What's missing here, and we often say secondary scoring from a forward perspective. Now, Tyson Berry's contract is up in 2020, so the not this year, but the next year. Um, with guys like Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard stepping up and showing that they can be those offensive dynamos, do they have space for a Tyson Berry? And I mean, this guy could fetch you a, a pretty penny over at, on the trade deadline here. And if they can get some good secondary scoring forwards for a Tyson Berry who is maybe going to become obsolete once he, you know, asks for a, a money that you don't want to pay, would you see a team like Colorado trading a Tyson Berry make room for Gerard and Makar? I mean, it's an interesting thought experiment just looking at their depth on
1: defense, especially when you just think of the mold of that player, a puck-moving speedster, you know. But, uh... I don't know. I, I see him as being a staple of that team. You look at the history of the Avalanche, the past you know, five years, and, and you think Tyson Berry on that back end. That's the name that comes to your mind. So if I'm them, I don't know. He He's kind of a staple, and, and that's why you'd want to keep the guy. But at the same time, you think of Rantanen. He's an upcoming RFA. If he keep, keeps putting up the numbers he's putting up, he's going to want a lot of money. You could be in a situation where it is like very much like the Leafs salary cap purgatory, where where you're paying all these guys all this money and you got no room for him. And and, and Barry, he's putting up another good year this year. He's it's only going to work towards a, a big contract. He's getting towards that age where he kind of wants to cash in and have the biggest contract of his career. So I, I think there is merit to that point, definitely. And especially if Makar is is all that people are saying he's going to be. So. I would monitor that situation. I don't think it's a bad thought to have. I I, I do think, like I said, there's merit to that, but uh, we'll see. Because at the same time, he is Tyson Berry. He is a, a He's
0: he's you know he's been there since day one of his career. So lots lots of lots of factors there to think about. Yeah, you bring up a good point with the Rantanen contract. I can't uh, I can't imagine the headache that's going to cause. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you just look at it tight uh sorry sam gerard has done nothing but earn a solid place on this roster if you got kale McCarr coming up and it, you, you can't really think long term that McCarr, gerard and barry can all coexist while all looking to get some offensive uh offensive minutes i mean i, I don't see that uh, working out with those three guys and that to me just says you know you're going to have Makar on a, a team friendly contract you're going to have gerard on, on a relatively team friend, friendly contract going forward and you got to sign ranton it just seems like a no brainer at this point based on how people would fit in where
1: yeah like i said it,
0: lots of factors
1: to consider lots lots of guys emerging past what you thought they'd be kind of like what Marner's doing in toronto and uh if you're the GM there, you got to monitor that stuff and, and think about how you're going to make this all fit and, and maybe study what Dubas has been doing and, 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 and learn from that depending on how he figures the situation in Toronto goes. So maybe watch to see what other teams are doing, monitor what they do, and and, and, and follow, follow from there. So we'll see what happens here.
0: Yeah, so big news coming this weekend, guys, and uh, that'll be us wrapping up this show for today. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we're very excited for the weekend and what uh, the Leaf Land has to show for us, and we'll definitely be breaking it down next week. Uh, and, yeah, on to December, and uh, I hope you guys have a, have a great day.
1: Rink Moose signing off.